0: Today we are going to be continuing our series on the art of being unordinary. That's basically looking at Luke chapter 17 and 18. Today we're looking at only two verses in chapter 17, verses 20 through 21, so let's get started because there's a lot to unpack here. Verse 20, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, if you paid attention, there's something really weird going on here. The Pharisees asked a question of when. When is this kingdom going to come? And then reply, Jesus doesn't give a date. He doesn't say it's coming tomorrow, or he doesn't even say it's coming sometime in the future. Instead, he gives an answer of saying, hey, uh, whether if it's observable or not. Now, if you paid attention, you'll notice another thing. That when Jesus gave that non-answer, the people who are standing around, or even the Pharisees, they don't confront Jesus and say, Uh, Jesus you didn't really answer their question. That's because in their minds he did. So what we need to do is we need to research this and we have to look at the context around it so we could also be in the place where we say oh Jesus great answer. So first let's address this thing called the kingdom come. What does he mean by when is the kingdom going to come? So in order to understand that we have to understand what they understood back then which is this timeline. Now, in this timeline, this is the beginning of history according to the Jewish Bible, and this is present time to where this story actually takes place. To us, that's about 2,000 years ago on the other side of the globe. They believed that in the very beginning of the story, that there was some corruption, some kind of sin entered the world that made the world that they know it today as not ideal, way less than ideal. So they believed that sometime in the future, and they don't know when that is, is that this time, this era, is going to end And then a new time is going to start where everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. Now, that next era is often called the kingdom. So the question that these people are asking Jesus is, when is that going to start? Now, they also believed that the way that this new era is going to start, according to their prophecies, is that this character, this mysterious character called the Messiah is going to show up. And when he shows up, that is when this new era is going to start. Now, you and I know that through studying through the book of Luke, that Jesus is that Messiah. And he didn't end up showing up at the very end of this era. Instead, he showed up somewhere in the middle of history. And so now there's this overlap that the kingdom of God started here in the midst of this old era. You see, but these Pharisees, these Jewish religious people, they don't know that Jesus is the Messiah. They refuse to believe that. And so they're still asking the question as if the Messiah hasn't showed up yet. So they're asking questions like, what do we have to do for that kingdom to show up? These people are desperate for the new era to come, for this kingdom to come. And so they're like, how can we speed up this process? We're sick and tired of living in the midst of this brokenness. We are slaves to these these Romans. We are persecuted by these people. You know, we don't wanna live like this anymore. So what can we do to make sure that God speeds up the process? So when these people are asking the question, when is the kingdom going to show up? When is the kingdom gonna come? What they're really asking underneath it, which Jesus is answering, what they're really asking is what do we have to do in order for that kingdom to show up sooner than later? Now, in those days, there were certain groups of people who believed that they knew exactly what needed to happen in order for that Messiah to show up. The first group of people, we already met them, are called the Pharisees. They believed that if more people would follow the righteous laws of the Old Testament, if they followed all the rules that God has given them, then the Messiah would show up. This is why when you read the New Testament, you see them walking around telling people, ah, you're a sinner, you need to change the way you're living. How come you're not observing the law that you're supposed to? Why are you working on the Sabbath? And also, this is why when you read about Pharisees, you see them outcasting people who have certain ailments because in those days, having an ailment implied that you broke a rule somewhere and this was God's judgment. So they're like, well, if you want the Messiah to come soon, then we got to make sure those guys are away from us. So if you've been wondering this whole time why these Pharisees are such bullies, I mean, they had the right intent. I mean, they sound like bullies, but what they were trying to do was they were trying to make sure that the holy club was growing in Israel and that the people who couldn't follow these rules were pushed out so that the Messiah would come sooner so that the new era could start. Now, the second group is called Zealots. These Zealots believed in righteous violence. See, these people, they read the Old Testament. They read stories about Joshua and Moses. They read stories about Gideon. They basically read through the Old Testament and said, did you notice that no matter how small our group is, if we stand up and fight, God gives us a victory. Maybe God is waiting for us to stand up and fight. Maybe they're waiting for us to gather and start a holy war against the Romans, against the oppressors, and then God's gonna give us that victory, and that's when the Messiah is gonna show up. The kingdom of God is gonna come through morality, following righteous laws, or the kingdom of God is gonna come through conquest, righteous violence. And this is why Jesus says that the kingdom of God is not observable. You're not going to be able to observably point out where the kingdom of God is. You can't say, hey, look at that righteous person following the rules. There's the kingdom of God. Or you can't say, hey, look at that righteous violence where they're burning buildings and tearing down temples. That's, that must be the kingdom of God. Instead, Jesus says, it's here in your midst. This is his way of saying, you want to know where the kingdom of God is? You want to know when it's coming? Hi, I'm Jesus. He's saying the kingdom of God is not in the future. He's saying it's right here, right now. He's basically throwing a question back at them, saying, how many more righteous laws do we need for this world to become the kingdom of God? How many more acts of violence do we need in this world before you're satisfied that we're living in the kingdom of God? Now Jesus' response is extremely unordinary. It was against culture. Back then, when people heard this, they were like, are you kidding me, Jesus? But I'm going to also venture to guess that this is extremely unordinary for our culture today. Because today we think that we're going to usher in this perfect world, this kingdom of God, through passing the right laws and intimidating the right people to the right behavior. Now, I want to pause and also say this, that I think having the right laws is a good thing. I think getting the right people to come to the right conclusions is also important. But the point Jesus is making here is that those actions do not usher in the kingdom of God any sooner. If anything, that makes our society better, but it does not bring in the kingdom of God. And once again, Jesus is staring at them saying, hi, I'm Jesus. I'm the kingdom of God right here in your midst. You see, the point that the Pharisees need to understand, and by extension, the point that we have to understand, is that Jesus is the kingdom. So when he walks down the street, and when people see him doing certain things, people are thinking, Wow, what he's doing right now looks exactly like what I always imagined the perfect world to be like. When he's talking to people, people are saying, "Wow, when I was talking to Jesus, I felt like like I was talking to somebody who embodied what the ideal world would look like." You see, these people who encounter Jesus, they're not saying, "I listened to Jesus's version of politics, and now I feel like I'm living in." heaven on earth. Or they're not saying, hey, I noticed that he's smarter than me. That must be heaven on earth. He's not saying he's better at arguing points. Therefore, I'm living heaven on earth. These people encounter the kindness of Jesus, the loving kindness of Jesus. And because of that, they're saying, I feel like I just experienced heaven on earth. I feel like I'm living in the kingdom right here in the midst of this broken one. If you call yourself a Christian, that means that you are a follower of Jesus. You are a representation of Jesus. You're an ambassador of Jesus. So when people come in contact with you, they ought to also come away saying, wow, I just experienced a little bit of heaven on earth. I feel like the kingdom that's supposed to come later on in history is somehow breaking into our world right here, right now. Now, if if you're called to go and pass the right laws so that our society is better, you need to go do that. And if you feel an urge in your heart that was placed by God to go protest, then you gotta do that too. But what he's saying in this verse is that above those things, the most important thing is to be Jesus to the people who are in front of you. So here are a few examples. First, civil unions. Now, I know that when it comes to the topic of LGBTQIA+, uh, I'm sure that your stance on this is well-researched, and it'll probably make society a lot better. But the question here is, would that usher in the kingdom of God? And the answer that Jesus gives us here is no. You see, I think the question that Jesus wants us to wrestle with and ask each other is, are you being Jesus to them? Are you loving them in the same way that he did? Are you befriending the the LGBTQIA community? Are you sacrificing for them? Are you befriending them? Are you calling them one of your own? Because Jesus did. Or let's talk about another topic, abortion. Now, I'm sure that the stance you take on this is fine, that it's gonna make our society better, and, and you need to vote that way. But the question that Jesus wants us to ask each other is, are we loving on the people, on the women, who are forced to be in the situation where they have to give up their babies? Are we serving them? Are we sacrificing for them? Are we befriending them? Now, I know you have an opinion on this topic, and I know that you have a voice that you could raise so that people could hear about your opinion, but until we are Jesus to these people, There is no kingdom here. Now let's talk about racism. Now I know that your stance on this and what we need to do about it is well researched and I know that it's probably the best way to make this society better. But according to Jesus, those things are not going to usher in the kingdom of God. Yes, we could pass laws that, that regulate racism in our society. But regulation does not mean that we're converting racist people into people who are not racist. It just means that these people are learning to go into hiding. Or we could go out there and do something that might be semi-violent so that, so that people will hear our voices louder. But according to Jesus, even that is not going to usher in the kingdom of God. You see, once again, I think Jesus is asking the question, are you being Jesus to your black neighbor? Or even harder than that in some cases is, are you being Jesus to the people who are opposed to the stance you're taking right now? Are you loving them? Are you sacrificing for them? Are you serving them? Are you befriending them? You see, that is how we usher in the kingdom of God. You see, I think one of the big problems right now is that we're so busy trying to prove to other people that we're right and that they're wrong. And that's not going to usher in the kingdom of God. It just creates more division. Two thousand years ago, I'm sure that the opinions that these Jews had about Caesar, the wars that they were fighting, the protests that they were engaged in, I'm sure all those things are making some tangible changes in their laws and and, in their lifestyles. But Jesus was asked this question and he gave them a straight answer, which is yes, these things might improve the nation of Israel, but the kingdom of God is not going to show up through those things. If you want to know how the kingdom of God is going to show up, look no further. Hi, I'm Jesus. Now you see, so once you're able to take that one big chunk of teaching and make it central to your understanding of Christianity, then the other teachings of Jesus makes complete sense. When Jesus says things like, love your enemies, he knows that by loving our enemies rather than trying to destroy them, that we are actually ushering in the kingdom of God. When Jesus says, when somebody takes away your coat, give them your shirt also, that's not his way of saying, go ahead and be passive about things. That's his way of saying, instead of giving back revenge, give them love. Befriend them, sacrifice for them, pray for them. So what does that look like for us? Maybe that means being Jesus to the person who's been spreading bad rumors, nasty rumors about you at work, and letting them know that you're going to sacrifice and pray for them and you're going to befriend them. Or maybe it means that at the grocery store, when you're in line to, to pay your groceries but so you could get out as fast as possible, somebody cuts in front of you. And when that person gets to register and, and doesn't have enough money to pay off for their groceries, maybe that means that you're going to help pay for that person's groceries. Or maybe this means that the bully that's been pestering you this whole time, that when you start to realize that there's something broken in that person's life and they just need somebody to listen to their story, that you offer to listen to them. And that requires a lot of forgiveness on our part. But that's why Jesus has been teaching us that we need to learn to forgive. And I'm sure you could think of a million other examples How you could be Jesus to your family, to your kids, to your parents, to your Muslim neighbors. How do you become Jesus to the poor, the conspiracy theorists, the people who are mentally ill, or or help carry groceries for the person who needs help carrying groceries? Whatever it is, whoever it is, Jesus says the way we're going to usher in the kingdom is by being Jesus to the person who's in front of you. Now, I just want to make this clear. I hope we all go out and vote for the right policies and make our voices heard through the right channels. But when it comes to ushering the kingdom of God, our only hope is Jesus. And by extension of Jesus, the church, we are the hope of the world. We are the salt of the earth. So in closing, let's take a look at that verse again, and hopefully it'll make more sense this time. He says, once again, on being asked by the Pharisee when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor people will say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. He's saying, if you want to usher in the kingdom of God, what you need to do is become Christ-like. And the only way you can be Christ-like is by having an intimate relationship with Jesus. The more we are Christ to the people around us, the more of the kingdom of God happens the more heaven comes to this earth. So, brothers and sisters, may you experience the future kingdom right here, right now, because you have a relationship with Jesus. And by surrendering to Him, may we all be the conduits of spreading that kingdom to the neighbors around us. And through all those things, may we all experience heaven together. God bless.